One Week Season. to the latest installment of the OWS Week in Review show. I am your host, Todd Burrows, and in a moment I will be joined by a man who played lineups this week. And we will go through our process. We will see how we can improve. And I've got one subject that I really want to uh, discuss uh, that's a little off the board, uh, something that I talked to Mark about a little bit on Saturday, and I think it is probably the most important thing that I've noticed we can do better, so I'm anxious to get his thoughts on it. But now, let me bring in a man who, when he gets the perfect poker hand, is known to jump up and scream, I hit the nut, Mark Garcia. No, man, you know me. I got that poker face. (laughs) I'm going to think that in my head every time I get aces now when I'm at the table. (laughs) I got the nut. (laughs) And I I couldn't think of anything to do with lineups like normal. So I I thought that was a pretty good. I uh... (laughs) I did play lineups. (laughs) I, I would have. I could have had the same result by not playing this week and basically broke even like standard. Well, I, I, I lost less money than I have, but um, <laughs> it's trending, I, baby trending. I, uh, well, here's the thing. All right. So here's, I talked to you a little bit about this on Saturday. And if we don't cover anything but this today, I think it will have been a very, very fruitful discussion. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, Last week, Jonathan Taylor went off at 3% owned. Joe Mixon, I didn't see his final ownership percentage, (coughs) but it was low. Uh Every week, um, OWS sends out a a tweet that basically says, three weeks ago it was this guy, two weeks ago it was Jonathan Taylor, one week ago it was Joe Mixon. Who's it going to be this week? But what we don't do is on Saturday in that podcast and in the way we talk and chat, I think the most important thing that we are missing as a group is, you know, we talk about guys who are likely to hit 40 points, right? And some guys are less likely to hit 40 points, but it's in their range of outcomes, right? Jonathan Taylor, every week, it's in his range of outcomes. Joe Mixon, it's in his range of outcomes. They're getting the volume, and yet we're not – I don't feel like, Mark, I don't think we're spending enough time at the end of the week once we have a real good idea of ownership of making a list of those six or seven guys who have the talent to crush, who have the workload to crush, but they don't have the, the matchup that ideally we would like. And and go through which ones, uh, if one of them is going to go off, which is the most likely, and making sure that, you know, and I, this is something I used to do and I got away with it and I want to kick myself in the, oh, nuts. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I agree. The This week's outcome was, I guess they were plays that I don't know if I ever would have got there. That said, looking back, I'm very pissed at myself about Leonard Fournette in particular. Joe Mixon is a guy I considered um, as a player that could thrive in certain game environments, right? Like it's, he's very hit or miss with respect to his receiving volume. So that is a significant hit to his weekly floor. That said, he's also a guy who we've seen fed 30 plus, you know, carries that, in the right game environment can, you know, rush for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Um, So that was a guy I considered this week. I wasn't going to get there. I don't think because of just how I was approaching this week and prioritizing some of the perceived higher ceiling guys that, that we went through on Saturday for net. This one really, really bugged me this week. Um, Not that, I even considered him having 40 to 45 point upside, but just for the fact that I had pivoted off of the Tampa Bay pass game chalk. When I did that, you know, I started the week, as I said on Saturday, I started the week with, uh, you know, Mike Evans was looking iffy. So I was like, okay, Chris Godwin and um, Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady is a good chunk of guaranteed points. Once Mike Evans was going to play, I basically convinced myself that Godwin and Fournette, I mean, Godwin and Gronkowski, that uh, Godwin and Gronkowski could fail primarily due to the fact that Mike Evans was a very, you know, high red zone usage player. So like while Godwin and Gronk could get the yards, they could still fail price considered because if Evans was getting the touchdown and you could be left with this scenario where, you know, Brady throws three touchdowns and two of them go to Evans. Evans doesn't crack the bonus and nobody is like a had to have it score. That said, I never considered the basically coming off of that story and telling the same story that the passing game could fail, but the run game could succeed. And we're never, I don't think we're ever going to see another Leonard Fournette 40 point game like that. It just might not happen ever in his career again, but removing myself from being able to camp capitalize on his like 99th percentile outcome, because I never considered it really, really bummed me out on a week where I thought that it was higher or higher than percentage chance that there were no pass catchers on the Bucks that absolutely wrecked. So that was yeah. a long diatribe there, but uh, no, yeah. it, it it actually was um, probably not as long as my intro, to be fair. <laughs> um, but I, I, I th- all right. So there's two things that come to my mind here. And you you reminded me of what the second thing that I really wanted to cover that I would love to see more of in the Saturday show. Okay. Um, And and I'm not saying that you don't do some of this because the second one you definitely do. But let me just make the other point based on what you were saying. 
So the first thing is you only play three lineups, right? I mean, I famously joke about it, right? You know, on a busy week, you might play 20, okay? So when you play 20 lineups, a guy like Fournette definitely is a guy that you would spend a lot more time on. But we have people playing MME or modified MME um, that finding guys like Mixon or Taylor who are going to be low owned, you know, you own, you know, if a guy's going to be 3% owned, I mean, to me, it's egregious not to have, you know, on a guy that talented, if they're going to be 3% owned, it's kind of egregious not to have seven or eight, right? Unless, unless again, when we do the analysis on Saturday, the takeaway is yes, while this guy could do it, his chance in this matchup is lower than the chance. It's not worth the 6%, right? It's not worth the 8% versus the three, right? In your lineups, that's not something that matters, right? Because if you play four lineups, you either have guys who are 25, 50, 75, or 100% owned, right? So, you know, to play a guy like that, you know, that's 3% owned, the reason they're 3% owned, is it's for a reason, right? You know, they're not the best plays on the slate. Uh, but when you expand your rosters and you're playing a number of lineups, having a, a, a real, a section of the podcast that is just to look at low owned players and re- even just ranking them right in. Yeah. Well, they're all low owned for a, a reason, but they're all really talented players. So let's take, you know, I know we covered it in the edge, but all right, it, there, here's four names and let's rank them. But the other thing that you reminded me of, and it's so easy to forget because you're doing so many lineups and MME I forgot to look for leverage this week. So I really think that while you guys do talk about leverage, you know, this is something that is an OWS specialty, right? Because we do take take a deeper dive. I would love to see a leverage section toward the end of the pod on Saturday where – or, or as you're looking through the high-owned players, you look at who are the best leverage for those players. Anyway, those are my suggestions, and I feel like those two things could really give subscribers because people, when you're doing it, you know, you guys do a two-hour show basically, right? It's easy for facts to get lost in the midst of it, but when you do a leverage section and you do a low-owned player section. I think it will um, – I know it will help me. And, you know, we've been doing this show now for 12 weeks, and we've been mostly losing. So, you know, I could just cover what plays we looked at last week and say, oh, that was this one good? Was this one bad? But to me, these two points, I feel, were much more important to cover for our process going forward than anything that we could have looked at from last week. Yeah, I agree. And like we always talk about, it's not about like, it's not about results. It's about like, are you growing and are you putting yourself in position to make money? And that is why I was pissed at myself for not considering Leonard Fournette this week, because I had already worked through 
um, you know, on my own, like thinking through what is likeliest to happen, what could happen in that Tampa Bay game and coming to the conclusion that like the past game is not as certain as I thought the field was going to be making it, but not parlaying that into the idea that like, Hey, a viable scenario for the past game failing is if Leonard Fournette is, you know, seeing 70% plus of the expected workload and, and he has the chance to, to smash on that. And that's why, um, you know, when I thinking about my play and my thought process this week, that's why I, or that's one where I actually, you know, I'm getting pretty upset and pissed at myself for not getting to. Well, um, welcome to my shoes in a second. Um, the last two weeks, I've played Jonathan Taylor and Leonard Fournette. Um, I was under on Fournette. I was actually even weight on Taylor the week before. But I only played them in game stacks for the most part. I had one Fournette lineup yesterday, that one or two that weren't um, in, in Brady's stacks. Um, and, and no, I only had one. And then I had two with Carson Wentz because the way I felt the best way to play that I did the other thing. I looked at it and said, well, Brady's going to have ownership. Wentz has no ownership. The only way this game um, plays to um, the point where you're going to separate and win a GPP is if either Carson Wentz or Jonathan Taylor or both go off. So I, you know, Wentz was my number one owned quarterback. And at halftime of that first game, it looked like uh, that game, it looked like a good strategy. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to look back and see a game that ended 38 to 31 and neither quarterback be, you know, had to have it type score. Um, that is a, a game environment that we're looking for. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a, unique outcome to that game that I feel like I should have paid a little bit more mind to for sure. Yeah. So I am, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, so I, I've covered the things that I'm hoping we we do more of. And for my part, I think I'm going to, if it's not part of the show, I think if I'm listening, I think I will have a question at the end and we'll go for two and a half, three hours instead of two, <laughs> uh, because, because I, I really feel like, you know, uh, you know, because that's what you, we need, right? We want, you know, we, we have the NFL edge, the NFL edge. We've got, you know, the player grid. We've got all these great tools. And, 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 and most of them are to help us to find the best plays, right? Um, so uh, I think the Saturday show, and again, you do talk about leverage. Zandemir talks about it a lot. But I think having a section of leverage, and having a section on low-owned guys who have a good chance to go off, I think would be helpful. So let's move on. One of the I, I don't want to spend too long today because I don't want to get lost from the key points that I was making. But I, I, I do want to talk about the one way I did have pretty good leverage was um was on Mitchell. I thought right. that he was the best play in that price point. Uh, Miles Sanders was highly owned. Um, and, you know, and I thought, you know, I did play some Debo with Jefferson. I played some Cook and I played that game pretty heavily. And unfortunately, with Dalvin getting hurt and, the, you know, <laughs> there just wasn't enough gas at the end of that game. Um, 
but um, I, I do think Mitchell was a very strong play. And and um, who was the other guy that I had in the twenties at running back um, that I felt good about that I got? Um, of course, I had twenty nine percent of Barkley, which wasn't so good. Yeah. Uh, you and I had talked about Hilliard. You liked Hilliard, right? Yeah, I was. Uh, I liked Hilliard, but I liked Ty Johnson better. So that's how that went. Uh, well, I had twelve percent Hilliard. And I had 11% Ty Johnson. So that's how that went. Yeah. Um, I'm looking for it now. So the guy I faded was James Robinson, a player I like a lot. But um, you and I talked in our conversation on Saturday. No way I was playing a lot of him. Okay. The other guy that I owned a lot of was uh, A.J. Dillon. And I, I just felt like A.J. Dillon you know, people were going to overestimate how much Aaron Jones was likely to play. Yep. Uh, that was um, that was a really, really interesting decision that had to be made on the slate because we really didn't have anything to go off of other than pure speculation and conjecture with, uh, with respect to Aaron Jones. It made most sense to me in my brain that Aaron Jones would either sit out or he would play his normal role um just because the packers had their bye week coming up you know aaron jones is coming off of uh, a missed game with an mcl sprain it made sense to me that they you know however light that mcl sprain was three weeks of recovery is a hell of a lot better than one so it was interesting and then it looked like aaron jones was gonna come out and and play a full allotment of snaps um you know he played every snap on the first two drives and then like didn't the rest of the game. Um, I think part of that was due to game flow and game environment in the sense that had the Packers been playing from behind, as opposed to from in front the entire game, I think we probably would have seen a little bit more Aaron Jones. That said, I still liked the leverage on AJ Dillon. And I actually had, I actually had 30% AJ Dillon this week um, for all those reasons. I, I I had 20, I had 23%. And I realized I made a mistake. For, I was about even weight on Fournette. He was only 4.4% owned. Yeah. But the problem was, again, almost all my Fournette, I took him out of the optimizer if he wasn't in, if it, he wasn't in that game. And, and I've done that a couple times now. And it's just really hard to trust the optimizer, you know, because I don't want to be too spread out, but I'm thinking, you know, and then sometimes you end up with too much of a guy you really don't like, um, like, um, yeah. Foreman last week. I mean, I, I liked him, but I didn't like him 21%. Um, and, and so it's just, and then you get mocked for it by Zandermere and you cry. Um, <laughs> any, anyway, yeah, I the Elijah Mitchell was my top running back on the slate. I um I had I would have had 100% if I didn't have Debo exposure. Um yeah, Elijah Mitchell was a was a smash to me. Um that one worked out. We talked about Ty Johnson. That was uh really perplexing to see. What was it Walters? Who the hell? I yes. don't know. Yeah. It came in and scored the touchdown there. Um, Random practice squad guy. Yeah, so that was that was tilt facing, tilt your face off. Um, the other tilting thing. Well, that's what was, happened to me with Foreman the week before. 
Yeah, yeah. Right, man. like he didn't get a carry till halftime. And then this week he 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 was like 50-50 with Hilliard. And, and that's the thing I do a lot of in best ball that I don't do enough with in season long, which is the uh, the rational coaching thing, right? Yeah. When you're taking these guys who are not the most talented player, but we're willing to play them because of the price and the role. The one thing, again, we can add to the mix to be better, I think, is really talk about how rational is this coach, right? Like, because we make these assumptions, but, you know, like Mike Vrabel is just notorious for not always being rational. The list of rational coaches is about four times smaller than the list of irrational coaches in the Correct. NFL. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. E- but even the irrational ones you can rank. Yeah. Right? Like, I've just given up on playing Eagles. Um, running yeah, back. Like Miles Sanders, man. You know, week. it's like, uh, you know, it's like he wakes up, uh, Sirianni wakes up in the morning and spins a wheel. Right? Yeah. Like, you know. Oh, who am I going to get? All right. 20% for uh, Miles Sanders. Let me spin again. Oh, uh, well, looks like it's going to be a big week for Kenny Gainwell. Anyway, the other one that you got right, and I followed you as much as the uh, the optimizer would allow, was the Patriots defense. I thought that was a very good call, and I followed you down that path. Yeah, I was happy with uh, with the Patriots. I was happy with where my kind of thought process led with respect to targeting the Minnesota San Francisco game. Um, and I was actually, when, when Minnesota came out and scored those first uh, two first half touchdowns, both to Adam Thielen, I was actually extremely nervous because I knew the way that that, you know, that coaching staff runs that they were likely to take their foot off the gas. And that's exactly what happened. Um, yep. Obviously, well, And that, and that was the downside of playing that game is a blow up game. There was a lot and I knew it, but you know, it was just really hard to like, I ended up even weight on the Tampa Bay game, but I was even where I had a lot of leverage with Wentz. Um, I completely faded Justin Herbert. I didn't love the spot and I felt like, you know, he could get up to 15%. And I was going to play like 5% of him. And then I said, you know what? That just doesn't make any sense. So I, you know, I got that right. Uh, But there really wasn't, you know, a game where I just felt like, oh man, I really want to invest here. Yeah, that was, that was Minnesota, San Francisco for me. I did well. um, I did too. I did well not going all in on Jefferson. So obviously we've talked about how that's a leak in, in my game. So I had even exposure to Jefferson and Thielen, which kind of saved my week. Um, you know, with Thielen scoring 10 points more than, than Justin Jefferson. Um, but yeah, that the game environment um, with Minnesota scoring two early touchdowns kind of made me very nervous. Um, and that's exactly how it came out. So uh, but I liked that game as one of the more likely to to blow up the slate, and then they combined for sixty points. So um, a big part of that was uh, was Elijah Mitchell. But yeah, I was happy with that process. Yeah, I mean, I was even weighed on the Brady game. 
I had 7% of the, the Jets game, but I went with Zach Wilson because I'm just not playing Tyrod Taylor at ownership. I'm, I'm just not yeah. going to do it. Yeah. Um, I went over on the uh, Giants-Philly um, game 22 to 11. Um, what, I, what I had versus prospective ownership, I was uh, under on Cam 50%. I had no Tua, no Herbert, no Teddy. Um, I doubled uh, Stafford and Rogers, so fifteen to seven and a half. I double. I, I doubled plus uh, Jimmy G and Kirk twenty to eight point five, and um, the the I was over on the Atlanta game, uh, but mostly through Trevor Lawrence. It just wasn't a you know. I, I would much rather have fifteen to twenty percent on a lot of these guys. But I just, again, there just wasn't guys that a, a game where I said, boy, I, I really feel good about this. Yeah. I want to bring up something. It's uh, it's entirely a joke, but I'm going to say it straight faced. Robbie Anderson was on the Millie winning lineup this week. Yeah. With like four points, <laughs> 2.5 points. <laughs> he had one yeah. catch. And, 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 and when the epitaph of this season is made, that will be the cover. Yeah. Right. Like if any one thing summed up uh, this season so far, it would be Robbie Anderson in the million, uh, you know, the clue answer. You remember playing clue? Yeah. Robbie Anderson in the winning lineup for a million dollars with 2.4 points. <laughs> and on that note, I think I'm going to end, end this podcast, Hilo. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to next week. I enjoy our talks on Saturday. I I feel like we're getting a lot of good stuff done and I I just think we're going to hit it. It's just a matter of when. Yep. Like I said, a tongue in cheek, but it might not be the season, but it's coming. <laughs> it, it it literally could be a one week season. Yes sir. That's all it, that's all that matters. Yep. All right, folks. Um, hope you enjoyed the show and any questions, let me know uh, in discord on Twitter, um, carrier pigeon, whatever works for you guys. And hopefully next week, one of us will hit the nut. See you later guys. Mm-hmm.